scripture memory verse tonight, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Galatians 6, 9. Anybody else? I've said that verse kind of a little bit backward all my life, or all, all my Christian walks, so if I said it a little bit different, make sure you follow the lines or I'll call you out. Oh, I'm teasing. Good job. Anybody else? Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Galatians 6, 9. Good job. Anybody else? Can I read it? Yes, please. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Good job. Anybody else? Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 6, 9. Good job. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. Galatians 6, 9. Good job. Anybody else? Well, let's look at it um, in context. You have to go back a little bit here to get some context. And I'm looking. I, I don't know how far to go. You could read the whole book if you wanted. Uh, Paul speaking to the church in Galatia and encouraging them, writing them this letter. And... You know, I, I keep looking back all the way to 5. Chapter 5 is really where our context comes from. And if you begin chapter 5, he's telling us, as he told it, it tells us in the twin epistle, which is the letter to the Ephesians church in Ephesus, he says to stand, which is really our position in Christ. But he says stand in, in the liberty, the freedom uh, in which Christ has made us free. And, he, and, he, and I'm just going to jump on the highlights here. Um, we're supposed to be standing, not entangled again in the works of the law. Not entangled again in, 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 in presenting ourselves in a hypocritical manner by pretending. Uh, and he says that we have liberty. And that liberty sets us free to follow Christ. Listen. To follow Christ. Liberty is not set free to go do anything you want, anytime you want. And he actually picks that back up again after he says, you ran well, verse 5-7. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Listen, listen, if you, if you wonder 
Am I supposed to obey? Am I supposed to be under obedience? Well, why would Paul write such letters to a church? He tells them they're free to do whatever they want, but, but you're free to follow Jesus. We've been set free from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, so that we can learn to walk in the Spirit and follow Jesus because he was led by the Spirit in everything that he did. He was 100% man, 100% God, but everything that he did, for example, was by the power of the Holy Spirit under the direction of the Father who sent him, appointed him to come and bring us back to the Father as the kinsman redeemer. Remember, he was on assignment. He was on mission. He was sent by God as the Son of God, and it was all done by the Spirit. Even, in fact, his very birth in the womb, we'll go there in a minute, was by the Spirit of God. And yet, you know, God tells us, and we're going to get to uh, the verse here in a minute about the natural law of sowing and reaping. He tells us that the church who was started in the Spirit, started in the belly of Mary by, the, by, the, by our Savior Jesus, right, is going to finish with a form of godliness which denies that power completely. It's, they've made up their religion. That's what he's speaking to these about. It's about them returning to the law instead of walking into freedom. Because if you walk in the Spirit, doesn't he say that here? Uh, but it's in verse 518. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. He didn't get rid of the law. But see, there's no way to sin if you're walking in the Spirit. If you're living in the Spirit, if you're following the Spirit, the Spirit of God is never going to lead you into sin. So you don't need the law if you're living by the Spirit of God. Okay? That's his whole point here. But he said they were bewitched, and they quit listening to the Spirit of God that leads you in the Word of God and to the throne room of God in a relationship with God, and they begin to go back and listen to the laws the dress codes, the building codes, all the things that make you look like you're religious, but it denies the power that transforms you on the inside, right? And so he gets to verse 5, 14, no, 5, uh, 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Stand in your liberty, what is what he said in 5.7, you ran well, who hindered you? And then he gets to 13, and I'm, I know I'm jumping through this because I want to get you to a spot about the Spirit, and then we'll move on. You, you've been called deliberately, only do not use your freedom, your liberty, as an opportunity for the flesh. Listen to me. Don't use it as an opportunity to walk in the flesh, to live in the flesh, to live in sin, to do what you want to do according to the base sin nature or human nature, to chase everything that's in the flesh in this world, because we're not to regard anything as flesh and blood anymore, he would tell the church in Corinth, but through love, serve one another. Listen, you can't serve people in the flesh. You can't do it. You'll wear out. You'll burn out. You'll run off. You'll leave. But the only way to serve people, which is what a believer priest does, he serves God by serving people. The only way to do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's telling us, don't let it be a reason. Your freedom, you're not set free to go live in the flesh. 
You're set free to follow Jesus' example. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So if that's the example, and he's our plumb line, then now that we come to salvation and we believe in him as believer priests, now we do not come anywhere to be served, but yet to serve and give our lives a ransom as a witness for many, to, to tell them about Jesus. But you can't do it by yourself. Then he says, the whole of the law is fulfilled by this one thing, this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But flesh, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. See, when it's all flesh, it's going to lead to death. We're going to see that in a minute. So how do we do this? 5.16. He tells us clearly, I say then... Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the want of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. You can't be doing both at the same time. You, you, you can't fulfill anything that God wants you to do in the flesh. It has to be all done by the power of the Spirit, as you're led by the Spirit, as you're taught by the Spirit. As Romans 8.14 tells us, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. It has to be understanding that everything is now done because we're married to Christ, and Christ the Lord is the Spirit. He sends His Spirit back, the self-same one, because God is a Spirit. Okay? And so he sends him back to what first seal us, put his seed in our heart, and then if we'll continue to listen, he grows his own nature inside of us as we obey. We've been set free to follow, not set free to go out and conquer the world and get the most toys. That was the sin nature. That is the lie. We've been set free to die and allow Christ to live through us. To do what he was already doing. We become his hands, his feet. We become those that are actually carrying out the gifts of the spirit. And he's the head. He's given the marching orders. Because he got it from the father. He gave it to us. And now those gifts work through us individually. And then corporately. And the whole body becomes the person of Christ. To witness to a dead and dying world. When they see our love for one another. Then they want to be part of what we're doing. We're going to get to this on Sunday morning because we're in John 13, starting this week, God willing. So listen, he tells us, uh, 19, exactly what it looks like if you're walking in the flesh, right? 19 through 21. We're not going to read them. I've got time. I'm moving along. This is your homework. 22, he tells us what the produce, what the fruit of the spirit looks like. It's love, okay? Love. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. See, because the fruit of the Spirit is the character and the nature of God. And we're supposed to stand and learn to grow and bear that fruit. And we have need of endurance. <clears throat> and we might go there here in a minute when we see this. But then he goes on and he says, well, well, well uh, verse 25, I know this might be a little bit bouncing around for you. 
if we live in the Spirit, what? <clears throat> We're living in the Spirit? <clears throat> Walk in the Spirit? Stand in the liberty? Stand in the freedom? Listen, we should be looking to live in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Because we've been baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, with which we cry, Abba, Father, Romans 8 tells us. We just sang that. Um, walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Well, how does that happen? We start to get jealous. We start to look at what somebody else is doing. Well, I want their position. I want their place. I want their gifts. I don't want what I'm doing. I don't even like this, God. What did you call me to do, God? I want to be doing what they're doing. And we begin to become uh, uh, conceited over how God uses us. Or, or we begin to provoke one another and envy what God is doing in the one another ministry. We have to find out what our position is, what our place is, what God is calling us to do, and be that part of the body. My hand doesn't get up in the morning and smack my face because it's not my hand, because it's not my face. I want to be the face. You know, those are not things that happen except in the body of Christ where we get mad at one another. We gossip about one another. He said over there in, in, in 15, we bite and devour one another and destroy one another. These things are of the flesh because we're listening to the drum, the beat, the we're walking according to the, 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 the spirit of this world instead of the spirit of God. And, and it's a normal thing to do because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. We want to be important, but think about the God of the universe who had all the power, all the knowledge, all the will, all the wisdom, all the everything, and he came and died. He became the lowest servant on the planet and washed the feet of his creation. Listen to me. And he, and he wasn't worried about what people thought about him. And when we learn our identity and we learn what God is doing, then we're not concerned about what other people are thinking, but we're concerned about how we're being faithful to what God has called us to do and listening to him. And it's so easy to get caught up in what people are thinking when you say yes instead of arguing. Listen to me because it's really easy to say, I'm right, I want to argue here. Well, I'm right, and I have a right, and, and, it, and I could be able to say something because I have, and I have, and this is America. Those are all out the window with Christ. They're out the window with Christ. Think about Jesus as they're beating him. He didn't go, hold up a minute. You know what? I think I'm going to rethink this thing, and I'm going to smash you guys like little ants because I'm God. Because of his walk, they looked and they said, as he died, surely this was the Son of God. It was because of his power under control. It was because of his death to what he could do because he was given his life for those that he loved. And if we really say we love and we love like Christ, we'll be more concerned about the people around us and their salvation than us being right. I mean, listen to me. Sometimes it's not even important to be right, even when it's the word of God. We want people to first see that Jesus is God and come to salvation instead of arguing with them about things that have nothing to do with salvation. Because once the spirit opens their eyes, then they'll see the other things. 
But many times we get caught up with people that, that might even say they're Christians, but it's already obvious that we know that they're not Christians. I go to church every week. Really? What are you doing there? I mean, I'm not being mean. The churches are full of apostate people that have no idea what's going on in the Bible. And they go there because of their own flesh. And they, they, they ran well, but who bewitched you? Paul would say to them. What are you doing? You're walking in the flesh. You're pursuing the world. You're not living according to the Spirit or according to Christ. Just look at the pages. What page is this? Just look at page 2153 in the Bible. Huh? Look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Look at the things that we're pursuing that is on our heart and what we want to do and what we want to get. It's not the gospel. So he says, as we get to chapter 6, we're almost there. Then he says, as we get to chapter 6, brethren, so he's speaking to the church. Listen, we're not talking to the world. This is God talking to his children through the Holy Spirit by faithful men of God who would write it down and write letters to people. So concerned about the church in Galatia that he takes the time to sit down and write them a letter when he hears a report. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any fault, anybody get the King James? Yes. Does it say fault? One verse. Doesn't say trespass. It doesn't say sin. It says, brethren, if a man is over, it's it's six one of Galatians oh. is overtaken in any fault. Listen to me. Yes. Oh. And it can be translated sin, iniquity. It can be translated a lot of things. But notice that God is calling it a fault by the Holy Spirit through Paul. It's a fault. All sin has been paid for. Sin is dealt with at the cross. But as you're trying to walk in the Spirit, you can do things that are sin, yes. But it's a fault that keeps you from walking in the Spirit. He says, if you're spiritual, if you really are spiritual, then restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Why? Consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. You could also fall into the same fault. We're not supposed to be conceited and go, look at them. They're over there stumbling. They're over there bumbling around. They're over there. They don't even get the gospel. See, that's not the, the, the attitude we're supposed to have. If we're wanting people to come to salvation, we're wanting them to be the body of Christ. We're wanting them to walk in the spirit. But listen, make no mistake. Are they wanting to walk in the Spirit? Are they wanting to live for Christ? See, there's a difference when you start talking about these things. Take care of the poor, yeah, but are they poor or are they lazy? See, there's a difference in the gospel, and you have to make a distinction, and you have to allow the Spirit of God to help you make that distinction. See, because as a shepherd, me, myself, some people think I'm a little rough, but I try to protect the sheep. That's my calling. I'm supposed to be faithful to that. And if I see people that don't even care about the gospel, and then I go, wow, they just stumbled and they had a sin and they messed up, 
That's not the people we're talking about here. They're not trying to live the gospel. They're trying to live in the world. If somebody's trying to live for the gospel, then you want to help them with a spirit of gentleness because they're trying to live the gospel. But if all you see them doing is trying to live in the flesh, all they're doing is trying to pursue the world. All they're doing is they're not even reading their Bible or pursuing God. I'm not picking on people or talking about people. I'm saying be able to discern the spirit because you can be wore out trying to give yourself away and serve somebody that's not even trying themselves. They're not even trying themselves. And you got to be careful because you do have to spend time with people to know whether they're trying or not, to know whether they're believers or not, to know whether they have fruit or not that's worthy of repentance. Because all of us have issues. We need to cancel some subscriptions. That's not permission. We're not supposed to be bewitched. We're not set free, he would say, uh, just, just for an opportunity of the flesh. Right? We're set free to learn to obey God. To learn to run the race according to the rules. According to what God would call us to do. According to his heart. Because if we're being conformed into him, we don't want to try to put a triangle in a round circle. Right? We want to look at the image and look for the Son of God and look for the image of God and look for what God is doing and what he's doing in our life. And we want to be faithful to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we always want to consider ourselves. We want to consider what Christ is doing. And then he says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Remember, that's love. So when you're helping people with their burdens, you're fulfilling the perfect law, the law of love, when you're helping them with their burdens, not carrying them for them. Listen, he's going to talk about that in a minute. That It's the last verse. It's in verse 5. See, everybody's got to carry their own burden. Don't get confused. He's not contradicting. We are helping, but if they're not doing their part, we are helping, but if they're not even trying, then that's not the ones he's talking about. They have to do their part. You cannot, you cannot bring anybody to Christ and go, we did it all for you, just be still. Even the man that they brought in on a cot, their faith got him to Jesus, but he had to listen and obey Christ in order to get up and go home. He had to listen. He had to have faith. Their faith didn't save that man. Their faith got him to Jesus. Jesus and him were the two that have to be together. And then his faith believed in Jesus. You can have all the faith in the world to get somebody to, the, to, the, to Christ, but they don't have to believe. And if they ain't believing, you need to be very careful what you're doing because you're hindering them. Jesus began to speak in parables so that he wouldn't harden their hearts. He was protecting them. It's the grace of God. It's much like the way he did when he put uh, uh, shut up on their mouth into Tower of Babel. And he wouldn't let them communicate, and he confused them. That's like that's he, he didn't want them to understand, so that he could have grace on them, and they would move away, and they wouldn't destroy themselves before the time. He'll destroy them in due time if they won't listen. We don't have to. So, restore them, fulfill the law by helping them. For if anyone thinks himself to be something. When he is nothing, he deceives himself. Self-deception is the word deception. Notice these are not, these are not words of self-esteem that Paul is using to the church in Galatia. 
If you take yourself to be something, you're dead in Christ. The Holy Spirit's living through you. His gifts, His leading, His calling, His work. We can't even be faithful. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So we have to see ourselves in the right perspective that we are dead. We're in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places. And down here, we're asking the Spirit to lead us in everything, to be our strength, to be our teacher, to be our power. Everything that goes on has to be done by the Spirit of God or it's sin. Because anything in the flesh is going to be sin. Anything that's not done by faith is sin. So you have to trust confidently in the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in a minute. I haven't even dug into my six hours of notes yet. So be careful. So he says here in 4, 6, 4, but let each one examine his own work, his occupation, what he's, what he's uh, uh, occupied with. Examine your life. What am I occupied with and why? What am I doing and why? Where is it leading and why? Is it flesh? Because it's going. he's going to tell us in a minute, it will reap death. Is it spirit? It will reap in everlasting life. He's getting ready to tell us this. That's what he's leading up to, that you have to examine yourself. Nobody else is going to be there when you and God are standing there, and he's judging. Bema seat judgment for Christians who actually believe, and everything will be burned up by fire that's not done in the spirit. And then for people that don't know Jesus, scary place. We're going to get there in a minute in Matthew 7. It'll be there. Some of the first usages are in Matthew 7. <coughs> scary place to be to think that Jesus might say, be away from me. I never knew you. Because all your works, everything that you did was in the flesh and not according to the spirit. Oh, it looked like church. It looked like you were doing something, but it was all a performance in the flesh, not by the Spirit of God. So we need the Spirit of God to lead us in this relationship, not our flesh, not our own mind, not our own arguments. See, we deceive ourselves, and we hang on to old opinions. We hang on to old grave clothes, and we deceive ourselves. I'm not listening to you, and we don't listen to the counsel of God. And we deceive ourselves and we wrap our head back up in the grave clothes and we run back into the grave. And Paul says, Who? Who has bewitched you? You was running well. Why are you back in the grave thinking you're okay? Because this this is not, um, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. His voice, follow me, follow me, come. Take my yoke. So be careful with self-deception. It's the only deception that a believer has. Because we've been given the truth. We've been given a roadmap. We've been given a guide, a spirit. We've been given instructions. And, and, and the only deception that is there is self-deception. Oh, what do you mean? Well, James says, but be doers and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Faith comes by hearing, Greg. No, only when it's heard with a heart that wants to do. If you hear and you don't do, that's self-deception. When you hear with a heart 
to go and do and grow and be and walk in the Spirit, then that becomes someone who is actually led by the Spirit doing the work of the ministry for the glory of God. They're not dying. They're growing. They're in life. And when you're doing that, listen to me, there's always, always the opportunity to become weary. That's why we're on this verse. When you start looking around you and you see the world, you see other people that say they're the church and they're not doing what you're doing. They're following some other persuasion, the flesh, but they go to church every week. They seem to be prospering. They have all kinds of things, but they're not following the Holy Spirit. They're living some culturality. They're living some other religion. They haven't been set free for an opportunity of the flesh. They've been set free to be led by the Spirit, to run a race, to be a witness so that other people will come out of the grave with them. But it's easy. It's easy to follow the fleshly Christian. It's easy to follow the one that's doing everything that looks good and like they're prospering. And they're doing great. But this stuff down here doesn't go with you. So, verse 4. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone. And not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. See, you're going to bear your own. People can help you. But you can't be helped into the grave unless you let the self-deception happen. You can't be helped back into running some other race unless you let it happen. The, this persuasion is not from God who calls you, from the Spirit who's leading you and teaching you. If you're in the Word of God following the roadmap, you're not going to be led astray and deceived. Let him who is taught the Word... Share in all good things with him who teaches. Listen to me. That is a bad translation. Let him who is taught the word communicate all good things with him who teaches. Communicate is the word that should be used there. Because it's koinonio. It's a word that's related to koinonia, which is the word for fellowship. Michael told me today, you want to teach on fellowship? No, I was going to actually start at verse 7. And because of just verse 6, the verse of man, 6 is the number of man, I had to go all the way back to get context to get us to here so we can start here. Because communicate is a word that's talking about having all things in common. Having fellowship together. Being in union together. I think I have it somewhere here. Now, communicate is in my Bible. It is. Yep. It means, it's koinonio, uh, to share with others. It means to fellowship and have all things in common, in union. We're having common communion. Listen, we're supposed to be working together. If we're carrying one of those burdens, we have to be able to communicate. But this is communicate in the spirit. It can only be done in the spirit. I don't know if you guys remember some of my favorite stuff is like looking at Joseph. He's in prison. He's already been sold into bondage. Then he was lied about. He's thrown into prison. 
And you know what he's doing? He's in their belly aching, beating people up, dragging them down the hallway, taking their food. No, he's serving others. And he notices the countenance on the baker and the cupbearer. It's something, when your eyes are not on yourself, when I'm not always just focused on my own problems, what's going on with me, oh, woe is me, you notice the countenance of people. Oh, wait a minute, how can I notice your countenance if I never noticed you? See, because you begin to communicate and have things in common and you learn people and you know when they're not themselves and so you can see when their countenance has changed and you can say, what's going on? And you can counsel them and you can love on them and you can be a, a, a saint to them and help them carry the burden that they're dealing with that has changed their countenance. This is about believers with believers, okay? This is communicating together, koinonia together, fellowship together. That's why the devil separates us and isolates us and then decimates us. Because he knows that if we communicate together in the spirit, we'll be the body of Christ communicating together, using all of our gifts together with Christ as the head, and people will see Jesus. They'll see love. They'll see people who are not pursuing the flesh and the world and stuff and power and hunger and all of this stuff that's going to burn. And they'll see something different and they'll go, what? You mean you're not concerned with that? Not a bit. That's what Jesus does in our lives. But be careful if he does it in your life. Not to get puffed up and conceited and think it was because of you. It was still because of him in your life. And that should make you gracious and thankful. So I would encourage people to tell people, be in the word, prayer, and fellowship. The body of Christ needs to be together. That's how God builds the bride and the Christ. All of us removing the grave clothes of the others. All of us iron sharpening iron, and, and, and so does another man's countenance build another. All of us living stones being chipped away at and fitted together, making a holy nation, a holy house. Listen, that's why we're not supposed to be fighting for this nation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. Already, Peter tells us. So be very careful what you're caught up in the flesh fighting for when we're supposed to be standing in the liberty in which Christ set us free. We're supposed to be walking in the Spirit. We're supposed to be carrying one another's burdens. We're supposed to be communicating and fellowshipping together, worried about one another, not just what can I get out of it. You want to help? What can I get out of it? Now, you might not say it, but we're trained to think it. We're trained to look at it that way. We're trained to have opportunity in that way. And just in case you think that only means just the body of Christ, he actually throws it in in verse 10 that we're supposed to do good as much as we have opportunity. Let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. We put the household of faith first, but we're supposed to live this way because of who we are as Christ followers to everybody. Right? everybody it's not just only to people in the church Christ died for all even to those who will not receive him even in Judas he gave the last the last night of his life he handed out bread to him and he says I love you have fellowship with me I'm knocking at your door don't do this I love you and Judas went out and it was dark because he chose to pursue the flesh 
and the 30 pieces of silver and the power and the pomp and the position and the place and the things of this world instead of pursuing Christ. And so then he says this in verse 7, which is where we want to get. We want to understand that God is telling us this. This is how we are going to be completed. This is the, the verse that tells us the number of completion going on with God. Do not be deceived. He just said self-deception. Do not be deceived. Listen to me. It's planeo. Do not be caused to roam from safety. It's planeo. Let me get it for you. To cause to roam from safety or truth. To go astray. To be seduced. To err. Or here it is. To be out of the way. See, we're following the way. We're people of the way. We're supposed to be following close behind. Led by the Spirit of God. And yet, we can be out of the way. It actually is really, I, I've been looking at this stuff. And you guys, I mean, this is Bible study. So I like to study it. Sunday morning I might not go as deep, but sometimes I do. It actually says in this text, when you're looking at it in the Greek, planeo me planeo. So do not be deceived. This planeo me planeo. So it repeats that word twice in the Greek text, planeo. Um, but it means to be to cause to roam from safety, to walk away from truth. That's what he's saying. Stand in the liberty. Walk in the spirit. Who, who has bewitched you that you would go this way? That you would be caused to roam away and think that this is Christ. And that you're still listening to his voice. You're still following him. Planeo. To cause to roam from safety. This is something that we really need to think about in our lives. Um. Are we following the Word of God by the power of God or the Spirit of God? Or are we just following some movement or some system? Matthew 18, 12 is the first time planeo is used by Jesus. It's a really a nice text because he, we need to carry burdens. We need to help one another. We need to reach out to one another. We need, but it's the reason I say every single Sunday. If you've been here for 10 years, you know every single Sunday. I say reach out to who is not here today. I say it every single Sunday. I, I'm not a man, of, I mean, I can talk about the scriptures a long time, but I say the same thing every week. Sometimes that bores people. Sometimes it freaks them out. But I'm just trying to be consistent. The Bible says the same thing all the time. Look at 1812. What do you think? He's letting us think about it, right? Think about this for a minute. Let me just sit here and think. What do you think? What you thinking? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, planeo, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying, planeo? And when he finds it, he rejoices. Listen, that's the text there. That's the context of this word. Christ loves us that much. And if we love one another, we should be looking and saying, wait a minute, this person's doing good and was doing great. They were doing this and, and we need to reach out to them. But if we don't reach out to them, then they just stay astray. 
And so it's the body of Christ that is communicating this together, not just the pastor. But in our culture today, it's only the pastor that does the work of the ministry. The pastor's got to go to the hospital. The pastor's got to do the funeral. The pastor's got to do every single thing until you wear him out. That's not the body of Christ. That's some culture entity where we look at them and go, and, and people tell me this all the time. Hey, well, I know pastors that go knock on the doors all the time, and that's what they do. So? Did Jesus tell them to do that? If Jesus didn't tell them to go knock on the doors of people's houses and talk to them, then they're just off in the flesh doing something. That doesn't make it the model for the church. Show me a scripture where Jesus went knocking on all the doors. Show me a scripture. He didn't even tell the disciples to do that. He said, the house you go to, if there's peace, then stay there. If it's worthy, stay there. But share the gospel with everybody. I mean, we make up these ministries, and then we set that as the plumb line to tell what other pastors are doing. And it's got nothing to do with the Spirit of God. Well, our church has this and this and that and this and that, and we do this. Is it from Jesus? Is it the Spirit of God or the culture? Are you trying to entertain people, or are you telling them the truth so they won't go to hell? Because entertainment's going to take them straight to hell. That's why Disneyland's the most favorite place to go, no matter who you are and what you are. That's why theme parks are the favorite place to go. This is a battleground for your soul. This is not a playground. Do not be deceived. Christ has come to found. If you were the only one, if I was the only one, Christ would have came and died for us. If we were the only one, think on that long and hard. He doesn't want any of them. If he has 101 of them, planeos, he comes to find them. He goes to get them. Well, he's leaving 99. They're safe. They're fine. He's God. Well, I wouldn't do that. I would protect the 99 and keep them safe. Then that's not the spirit. Sorry, I'm getting a little loud and a little rambunctious. and We're not even to our verse yet. Listen, he says, don't be planeo. Don't be caused to stray from what walking in the spirit means, from what liberty is, from what the spirit looks like in the law of liberty. Because God is not mocked. That's a good one for you. Boy, you ever see this one? Listen, God is not mocked. And by the way, this is the first usage of the word right here in the text. This is the first place you get all the way to, to Galatians 6 before you see this word. But he's warning us clearly that God is not mocked. It means to make a mouth at or to ridicule, to turn up the nose. Have you ever been to a place where they put their nose up like, what are you doing here? I think I smell something. I mean, that's what it means. It's like God is here going, that's your own stench. That's what you're smelling. Your hypocrisy. And I love you. Don't be deceived. Mocked means to ridicule. Webster's 1828 dictionary. Don't use today's dictionaries. 
the attack is on language. Notice how fellowship was communicate. You would never think that if somebody says, I'm just trying to communicate with you. You would never think fellowship. You would never think church. You can say the word communicate a bunch of times. But it, communicate means to have all things in common. Communicate means to, to know one another, to have relationship. We have a relationship with God so we can have relationship with others. God's not mocked. 1828 says ridicule. Uh, it, it means This word here in the Greek means to ridicule also. To laugh at with expressions of contempt. Or mock in the 1828. To imitate, to mimic to deride. Hmm. In Proverbs 14.9, we're told a fool mocks at sin, but with the upright there is favor. Is that right? What's Proverbs 14.9? Let me make sure I had that written down right. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. Well, what favor? God's favor. That's what we want. We don't want to mock God because he's, he's not going to be mocked. Well, what do you mean? Natural law of sowing and reaping. Listen. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Listen, you don't... God doesn't have to stand around and go, wonder what he was thinking. No, if you sow death, you're going to reap death. If you sow life, you're going to reap life. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to reap death. He's getting ready to tell us. If you walk in the spirit, you're going to reap spiritual fruit. So it's just a type of judgment. Why is our country being judged? Why is our world being judged? Because they've kicked God out. They ignore God. They think they can do what they want. And there's got to be an end to that where God is going to judge. Listen to me. There has to be an end to it. One day, but God is so long-suffering. Look how he judged even with his nation, uh, Israel and Judah. And he didn't even judge them to kill them. He judged them to chastise them, to get them to reconcile, to come back in relationship. And that's what he wants us to do when somebody's taken in a trespass. That's what he wants us to do as we communicate. That's what he wants us to do if somebody is really a Christian living in the spirit and they stray. He wants us to go get them and help reconcile them and turn a soul away from hell is what James tells us. <coughs> James tells us in... James 5, 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wonders, planeo, strays from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul and cover from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's what love does. Love goes and, and, and gentleness tries to win them back. But I still believe you have to make sure you know where they were at in the first place. Many people come to church 
but they're not walking in the spirit. They're not looking to listen. They're not here to grow. They've got other plans. They've got other things they're doing. They've got other things that's going on that they think is okay. We don't want them to live that religious life. We don't want them to be a pretender or a goat in the middle of the sheep, but they're there. Jesus said, don't mess with them. But I'm telling you, you want to love on those that you know are true saints and have all things in common with them and communicate with them. Reach out to them. Don't let them just run off. Don't let them just stray away. And if you talk about this stuff, you know what happens? People get mad. I don't call people as much anymore as I used to. I used to call people. I used to text them. If they would, I mean, I'd call them before texting because I never texted. They weren't at church. I'd have a whole list of people I was calling. You go, you doing all right? You okay? Yeah, why are you calling me? See, and you fill them out. You talk to them. You fill them out. And after a while, you just stop calling them because they don't really want to be bothered. It's none of your business. I wasn't there because I wasn't there. Don't bother me. I'll be there when I want to be there. See, that's not the body of Christ. That's not the spirit that's trying to be reconciled to God and walk in the spirit and do the work of the ministry of reconciliation of souls for the glory of God. So, you, you, you know, you do want to go after the wanderers but only the ones that were really walking in the Spirit in the first place. You don't have to chase after people that never were trying to do anything except cause problems and gossip and bite and devour and walk in the flesh inside the body of Christ. There's no reason to chase them. Why would you go get goats and bring them into your body? Yet we do it every day. Churches are filling up with goats. And what do we do to keep the numbers? We water down the word so they'll stay. We make the sermon shorter. We make the music louder. We turn the smoke up. We come up with a whole bunch of other programs to keep them going to church. Are they here for Jesus? Are they here to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation of souls? Are they here to communicate all things and be in fellowship with the Spirit of God for the glory of God? Or are they here to build some kingdom here on earth that has nothing to do with God? See, this is the way the kingdom of God is being built in your heart when we do what the Word of God says, not what the apostate church says. Not what the enemy says who's entered into the church and sowed a bunch of seed into God's field. Be very careful what you're following. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that means scatter. It's your actions. It's your works. It's your deeds. It's what your heart is occupied with. It literally means Through the idea of extending uh, the hand, receiving seed, sowing seed, scattering, and it gets its first usage, the next two words, sow and reap, both are used in Matthew 6.26. And if you're sowing to the good, which is where he's going to get to, don't be weary and well 
doing or doing good, doing benevolent, doing kind, doing love, doing what Christ called you to do. What did I say, 626? It wouldn't have been a year ago. You might remember this. <laughs> Where did I say, 626? Where's that at? It's a great verse, Matthew 6, 26. Well, let's preface it with 25. Therefore, I say to you, that Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then 626 is where we're at. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, it is the first usage of it, and what I want you to see out of it, the only thing I know to see out of it, is that God takes care of the birds. And he's our Father. He's only their creator. He's our Father, bringing us back into a home, who gave his most prized possession of his son as the kinsman redeemer to marry us back into his family, how will he not take care of us and give us everything else we need for life and godliness if we will just listen and sow so that we can reap what he's doing, not what we want to do? See, that's how we get into our position is sowing death. And we keep sowing death and we keep sowing death and we keep scattering seed that gets in the way of life. And it grows up and it reaps corruption. That's what he says Verse 8, new beginning. Listen, here's your new beginning. Whatever you're sowing is what you're going to have a big as, as a new beginning. For he who sows to his flesh, sarks. That's the word S-A-R-X. It means your body as opposed to your soul and your spirit. Uh, what feels good, do it. I'm sowing to what looks good, what feels good. What are they teaching all the kids out there today? Do whatever you think of. Do whatever you feel. Become whatever you feel. You don't have to have anything that's absolute truth. Just follow whatever you want to do. Follow your dreams. Follow your mind. If you feel like a girl, become a girl. If you feel like a boy, become a boy. Listen, these are from the pit of hell. But they're training. They're training our youth to do this in our schools of indoctrination. And the sad part, you know what the saddest part is? The saddest part about all of this is that parents are now trapped in a two-income family and they can't even pull their kids out of school where the schools are indoctrinated, where the world is indoctrinated. They're trapped in their own life that they've pursued that was fed to them by the devil and not according to God's word. And so then they become trapped and they go, I can't believe they're teaching that in school. I can't believe they're making laws like that in school. I can't believe they're allowing this to go on in school. And we're not seeing it as much in the Midwest, but we're seeing it. It's starting to roll in. Um, and the parents are going, oh, but we can't, we can't get rid of one of our jobs. We can't do anything. That's why some of these working from home jobs become so attractive and then all of a sudden, you're hidden in your house. You're trapped in your house. You can't get out of your house. And your job is tied to your house now. 
So you can't even go out to the highways and the byways and compel people to turn in. So everybody gets trapped into these bondages where they're in control instead of the Spirit leading us. Flesh. It's your human nature. It's your sin nature. It's your carnal mind with its passions. First usage is in 16, 17 of Matthew. Matthew 16. We're never going to get through this. What did I say? Matthew 16? 17. 16, 17. First usage of flesh. Listen to me. Because Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Bar his son, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Revealed what? Spiritual truth. You can't get it from flesh and blood. What was the question? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You can't get that from flesh and blood. You cannot understand Jesus or anything about this spiritual book if getting it from flesh and blood. This is the first usage. This is why you need to be careful because if you're getting it from flesh and blood, oh, I understand now. I got some knowledge. I got this. And it's from flesh and blood. It's earthly, sensual, demonic. The only way you can get spiritual truth is from the Spirit. From the Father who sent the Spirit. And He reveals this truth. If you're getting it from your own resources or from flesh and blood, then it's going to deceive you. You're going to be mocking God and you don't even know it. You want the spiritual truth that the Word of God has, not the physical. And see, a lot of, and I'm not even picking on God's bride, but a lot of teaching that you see. It's all about how to have your best life now. It's all about the flesh. It's all about what you can do now. We need to take our country back. We need to do this now. We need to do that now. You need to be doing Listen, you need to ask the Holy Spirit about your relationship with Jesus. And then once you got that right, have your relationship with the body of Christ in communication with others to keep you accountable. This is what the body looks like. I don't get up in the morning and half of my body goes one way and the other half goes the other way and some of it's not even communicating and I bounce my face off the mirror and fall on the floor. If that would happen, we would call an ambulance. We would need help. And the church needs a spiritual hospital right now. They need the great physician. And he's given us the spirit, but we've got all this form that looks like godliness, but there's no great physician there. And he's given us the commandment, which is an authoritative prescription in how we should be living. And we've been bewitched and we're following rules and programs and all of these things that have nothing to do with what God is doing to save souls and call people out of the grave. So I'm sorry. Back to our text. That's first usage. You must get it from the spirit, not from flesh and blood. If you're hearing from me right now and you're like, wow, that's so good. Greg is so good. He's a good teacher. 
then you're in trouble at the heart of your Christian walk. If you don't hear the Spirit teaching you right now, then you need to talk to the Spirit of God. Because Greg can't teach nothing without the Spirit of God. I can't serve nobody or do anything without the Spirit of God. We can't hear or see. I mean, God has made this, the, the hearing ear and the seeing eye. He's the one we need to look at. He's the one drawing us back to him, bringing us back into his family, being long-suffering because he loves us. But he's not going to be mocked. If we continue to sow to the flesh and chase the flesh and live in the flesh and ignore what the Spirit would say to the church, why does it say that over and over? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Not what the world or man or flesh and blood would say to the church, but what the Spirit would say to the church. The same Spirit that walked on the water or hovered over the face of the deep. The same Spirit that created in the beginning. The same Spirit that has came with this plan. This plan is to redeem a people that would choose to serve God because of that He loved us first. We make a free will choice or we die. We make a free will choice of life or death. And so many people are being won to Christ at altar calls only to become twice the sons of hell again and be taught some system that has nothing to do with living in the spirit. And if we continue to scatter flesh and sow flesh, we're going to reap corruption. Shall of the flesh. It's funny. If you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh. The, uh, it's again, it's the same thing. Of the flesh is... Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say the word, sorry. Therizo, therazo, therazo of the therazo, I think. It repeats that word. It's really interesting when you, because by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. And then the word is repeated, and then we take it and translate it into a statement that becomes a confirming statement. Uh, and, and we already know that. Uh, that, that, that God's word is true and that's why we're studying it tonight and it, it means to harvest or reap as crops are cut down with the sickle right that's reap, that's the end of it once it's cut down right, that's what we're talking about, reap, but it's figuratively it means it's used to destroy or cut off see think about it if you're so into the flesh, the finality will be to perish, corruption. When the sickle's put in, it will cut you off. You're no longer able to grow from the vine, and, and, and you're going to be harvested. But in, if you're so into the flesh, it's going to be destruction, cut off from God into outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's no more chances because it's appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. So the word is corruption there it means to decay to ruin to destroy to perish left to christ 
without God's spirit, we will deceive ourselves and we'll become delusional. Why is our country delusional? Why is our world delusional? Because they've been sowing to the flesh. They've been ignoring God. And the only thing you can reap is death. The only thing you can reap is everything's fluid. You can't have truth because we've ignored the word of God. We've ignored truth. We've sown to the flesh. And now corruption is coming. Death is coming. Perishing is coming. That fruit is coming. It's going to be cut off. The fruit always proves what the root was. That's why we are in need of endurance. We're in need of patience. We're in need of hoopamony. We don't want to grow weary while doing good because in due season, we're going to reap in the harvest. We're going to reap when he cuts everything off and everything is gathered into the barns. We want to go to his barn, to his house, to his place, to sit on our dad's lap and hang out for eternity. I don't mean to make that sound really wholesome and, and, and then disrespectful because he's a holy God. But he's our father. He loves us. He sent his son. He gave everything to redeem us because he wants us to enjoy his love for eternity. So I just wanted to sound real wholesome for you so you'd understand. Because we're going to be in, we're also going to be worshiping. We're also going to be doing other things and ruling and reigning with him. But, but we're delusional. We're delusional. We're under strong delusion. Romans 1 says reprobate minds because of leaving God out. So all you, you started with death and you go, oh, we're real religious and we're doing great. And here we're building our churches and you end with death. Because when you plant corn and it gets full blown and you put the sickle to it, you're, you're, you're going to harvest corn. So when you plant death and it gets full blown and you put the sickle to it, you're going to reap and harvest death. That's why it's so important. The only way you and I can have life is if it's by the Spirit of God. Because he is life. Life is a person. It's Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If that seed is not planted in us and growing, there's no way we're going to reap eternal life at the end of it. If it's death that's been planted in us because of some false apostate system of church, then that's all that's growing in us is some religious attitude toward things when this is a love relationship with a holy God who died for us. And his spirit and the fruit that comes out of that life is what proves, is the evidence, it's the produce of what's really growing. And we need to examine ourselves now, as he said in verse 4, because if we die without self-examination and we were self-deceived, because self is the culprit, it's that human nature, that flesh, that sin nature that we continue to follow and go, oh, I'm okay, I'll get to that later. No, today is today for safety, for salvation, to return to the Father, not to be planeo and astray. The first place it's used is in Romans 8. Let's look at Romans 8, 20 and 21. As we ran out of time and we're only halfway finished. I'll try to make it easy on you. Robert, I know you guys want to sleep. Enough. I worked overtime twice this week. 
uh, okay, and still got my study in Romans 8, 20, and 21. 8, 20, and 21. For the creation, listen, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Listen, that was just to set it up. Because the creation itself also will be delivered, salvation, from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. See, it's all going to come out of corruption at the end of the age. It's going to be judged. But right now, even God's creation, the adorning world, the de decoration, when you see some of them beautiful places like in Hawaii and different places, and you go, wow, that's dead. That's corrupt. That's dying. That's not the way it was created 6,000 years ago. And you go, man, that's a paradise. No, that's not. That's death. So think about what it's supposed to look like. Think about what we're supposed to look like when we're walking in the flesh most of the time, when we're living according to the flesh, when we're pursuing the things of the flesh. This is not to condemn us. This is to wake us up of how much more God wants to do through us if it was his spirit that was removing all corruption. See, that's what happened in resurrection. His body would not see decay. It would not see corruption, but it would be raised up out of the grave. And that's what he's doing with us. We would not see. We would be sown. I mean, you can go read about it in 1 Corinthians 15, or is it 2 Corinthians 15? Because we, as we bore the image of the earthly man, we must also bear the image of the heavenly man. And that's what's happening in the grave. Why is the grave going to open? Because they still have a corruptible body. And they got to get up and put on incorruption. It's, it's 1 Corinthians 15. You can read that as homework. See, all that's going to happen, when that's going to be the final thing when we see death has no sting and it has no victory. We reap what we sow. And I love it that Christ already obeyed it all perfectly for us. But if he already obeyed it, if he already, obeyed it already all, all of it perfectly for us so that his spirit could live through us, then why are we not being conformed and sanctified and brought up to his image and beginning to walk in the way that he walked? See, that's salvation. He didn't do it just so that we could have a position. He did it so that we could practically walk it out and be the body of Christ down here as witnesses, as martyreos that would walk in power, that would tell other people about this great God who died for us so they could have a choice to choose to be back into his love by choice and be in his family forever as believer priest. Where am I at? But if you sow, it's, uh, it's 8B, but... He who sows, where are you scattering to? What are you sowing? What are your actions about? What is your heart set on? What is your mind set on? To the Spirit, what's the Spirit doing in the world? Reconciling all things to Himself. Will of the Spirit reap, and the sickles put in, everlasting life. It's a quality. It's a quantity. It's not quantity. Everybody has the same quantity, eternal. It's a quality of life where the produce of our life looks like love. And it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. But we have to endure and abide under. 
the things that are going on, and they're getting worse, and they're getting worse, but our God hasn't changed one bit. Our identity hasn't changed one bit. Our calling hasn't changed one bit. The Spirit hasn't moved one inch. It's still the same thing. You believe, I seal you, and then I begin to wash and cleanse you. And while I'm washing and cleansing you, I'm teaching you, I'm guiding you, I'm leading you, I'm directing you. I'm doing everything that needs to be done to wash and cleanse you and create you and conform you to the image of the living God. So that you can be a witness of a trophy of grace that's sitting on his mantle in his living room. And people can say, man, I like that right there. And then they can want to know the testimony of that right there. And you can tell them how the Spirit of God woke you up from your sleep. And said, arise from your sleep so that Christ can give you life. So that now you can walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Then you can find out what the will of the Lord is. And be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord with thanksgiving. Being thankful to God for Christ Jesus. And then what? Communicating with one another. Submitting to one another. Same thing. Because we have different gifts and God has put us in the place we're at. God is the one that says communicate and submit to one another according to your gifting. Share in all things with one another. And while you're doing that, let us not grow weary. Notice how you grow weary. I'm going to get back to that. But let's look at what it says. Oh, I left out first usage. You know what first usage is for everlasting life? Matthew 7, 14. Wide is the gate to destruction and narrow the gate for life and few find it. Many go into destruction, corruption. Many are destroyed. Many perish. Few find life. Had a whole bunch more stuff. Really, uh, grow weary is not grow weary. It's ekako me ekako. It means be weary. Anybody have it in the King James? Read verse 9 for me. What? Chapter? Book? 6 9 of Galatians. Oh, okay. You got it? You got it already, Nancy? Nancy's going to read it. You're fine, right? And let us not be wary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we think not. That's it. That's our verse. Let us not be weary um, in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Be weary means to be bad or weak. It implies to fail in your heart or to faint. To be utterly, listen, listen to what weary means. To be utterly spiritless. 
a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Utterly spiritless. To forget the spirit. I got weary. I'm going to go get mine and get my most toys and win. I'm okay. I said a prayer one day. Literally, be weary means to be utterly spiritless, exhausted, lose courage. The first usage is this. It's in Matthew 18, 1. We're almost done. Another hour. We'll be finished. I'm sorry. I did not mean to be here this long, but it's such good stuff. 18.1. Listen to this. Is that what I said? Yes. It's not 18.1. Let me see where I'm at. Oh, it does say that. kidding me that's the wrong one. Oh, okay Luke 18 1 that's what's wrong Matthew Mark Luke and then John we got to get that right so it's Luke 18 1 Luke huh me me Luke 18, 1. I was like, wait a minute, that has nothing to do. Now listen. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. <coughs> this is faint and faint not. That men always ought to pray and faint not. Listen to me, guys and gals. My house should be a house of prayer to all nations. Listen to me, guys and gals. Your strength comes from your prayer life. As you're dependent upon God, as you're praying, and you're saying, line up my desires. I don't want to pursue the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. I don't want to chase my desires. I want to be led by your spirit, because my desires will drive me to death, but your spirit will lead me to life. Listen to me. It's so important that we're praying. You're like, it's going crazy. Then pray more. Men ought to always pray don't give up praying. Don't forget to pray. Oh, I know we need to be in the Word, but you don't even want to get to the Word until you pray. I'm not trying to kick you out of the Word. I want you to be in the Word. But if you don't pray, you're going to be weary in the Word. You're not going to be listening in the Word. You're going to be physical in the Word. You're not going to be spiritual in the Word. And flesh and blood is going to tell you what the Word says instead of the Spirit of God. Don't be weary. Pray. Spend time. The power's in prayer. The Spirit is there in prayer when you'll be dependent and say, listen, I can't do this. I have no strength to do this. I'm not able to do this because I'm dead, Lord. I need your life. I need your life-giving Spirit in me to get me through this. And that's the only way you're going to get to the other side. I wasn't going to do it, but how are we going to get to the other side? Listen, we still got a few minutes. Jeremiah 12. I wanted to do all of Jeremiah 12 tonight, but I said, you know what? They might want to eat and sleep before they <laughs> do breakfast. Listen, you can go and read it. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called when Judah was going into captivity. Jeremiah got thrown in prison for telling the truth. When you read this, it's actually about sowing and reaping. 
And God testing the heart and preparing the heart. And Jeremiah asked the question in 12, why does the wicked prosper? See, because right now we can become weary because the world, the wicked, those people that are evil are prospering. Are they really? No, he's already appointed a day when judgment will come. They're just going to reap what they're sowing. Don't get your eyes fixed on them. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus in prayer. Because listen, it's going to get worse. He talks about their final end in verse 4 at the end. But I want you to see verse 5. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain or in the thicket of the Jordan? Listen, God is preparing you today for tomorrow. If you're walking in the Spirit today and you're surrendering today and you're praying today and you're saying, Lord, I want to reap a harvest then, and you're laying up riches in heaven, you're going to be prepared for the horses. You're going to be prepared for the thickets. But if you're ignoring him today, the the footmen have already wearied you. You're already fainting. You're not even walking by faith. You're not even living in the Spirit. You don't even understand your identity in Christ because your flesh is overwhelming you. Listen, this is nothing compared to what might happen. And, And when he told Judah this and Jeremiah this, who wants to quit, He's ready to quit. He's always ready to throw in that. He preached for 40 years and nobody ever got saved. That would weary you. But your life in Christ is not about other people getting saved. It's about your soul and your faithfulness. And if you're faithful in your life with Christ, other people will get saved. Because that's what he's doing. But don't put their salvation first. Put your faithfulness first. Because God's going to judge the wicked. Judah's going into captivity, not not to kill him. The horsemen are coming to carry him away to Babylon to reconcile him, to bring him back, to save their souls. So don't be weirdly or spiritless while doing, in well-doing. It means to, to do properly and beautifully and good. Literally, it means to, or, or, or literal or morally, it means to be honest and worthy. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Use first time Matthew 3.10. We're almost finished. Bear with me, Matthew 3.10. I would have went when we had spirit. It was Matthew 1.18 where the spirit um, takes Mary and has her with child. What did I say? Three? Ten. Ten, right? Where's that? In the New Testament? Three ten is this. Listen to me. Because we're talking about fruit. We're talking about sickles. We're talking about reaping what we sow. We're talking about uh, well-doing. 
And it says, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not do well, bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Listen, that's the end of it all. Do not become spiritless and weary and exhausted. Our hope is in Christ. He's coming soon. No matter how much evil you see, trust in the Lord. Martyrs before us stood tied to stakes in fire and held their hands up, worshiping the Lord, while skin fell off their arms. And God gave them strength and grace to do that so that others would know that they can go through these things. The only prayer, the only proverb God ever gave me was your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow. You need to know that whatever's going on in your life right now today, pray. Become strong in that. God's going to use it as a strength tomorrow. So that you don't want to be weary in it today. Spend time in prayer. If you need to fast not pray real fast, like, okay, we're the Lord, we're coming out to you right now, we're going to come to you. Not an auctioneer. Fasting means doing without things and saying, Lord, this is more important than my flesh because I want to be in the Spirit, so I am going to sow to the Spirit and I'm not going to feed my flesh. See, the problem with the flesh is when you feed it, it dominates your life. And so you say, Lord, it's more important to me to know that the Spirit is being fed with the Word of God. I'm going to spend this time in the Word of God before you in prayer, and I'm going to fast and not feed my spirit a bit because it's not going to dominate me. I'm going to dominate it. I'm going to hit it in the face. I'm going to kick it in the nose. I'm going to put it in the grave. I'm going to die daily, and I want to live in the Spirit. Do not grow weary in well-doing. So doing, the first usage is Matthew 124. 124? Matthew, man, isn't that still the genealogies? No, that's second or first chronicles, Greg. <laughs> 124, right? First usage, doing. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did. There it is. That's the word, first usage. He did. He was a doer of the word, doer of the message, as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife, and he did not know her till she had brought forth their firstborn son, and they obeyed and called his name Jesus. Listen, doing the word, that's well-doing. Doing what God says, that's well-doing. Obeying God is well-doing. And if we're not obeying God, we need to repent and start obeying God. And then don't grow weary in doing it just because the world doesn't reward you. And everybody else wants to punish you because there's going to be a harvest at the end of the age. And you will reap everlasting life from obeying God. From believing God, from trusting God. Listen, do you guys know that to believe means to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ? 
But the word walk by faith, faith is pistis. It means to have a constancy in that belief. So with every situation and everything, you're having a constancy. I'm still going to believe in Christ. I'm not going to grow weary and go astray. I'm going to believe in him constantly, even if I don't see the fruit right now. Even if I don't see anything happening except for the wicked prospering, I still believe God that there's going to be a future resurrection, and I want to go in the resurrection of the good with Christ. It's going to come. We're going to go. The fruit will be there, and what happens in your life is proving the fruit right now. Is the Spirit of God active in your life? Doesn't mean you have to grow real fast and pop, boom! Those apples grew so fast they popped off the tree. It's okay to mature and grow and go and have endurance where you don't just run out of the gate and keep going. I tell people all the time, they go, man, I'm really loving reading through the Bible. I'm reading, I don't know, like 17 chapters ahead of you guys. I'm like, well, slow down and stop. Read with us. Communicate with us. Be in the word with us. Have some temperance. Have some maturity. Have some self-control. And if you have to read 17 chapters ahead, put your bookmark in the place it's supposed to be so that tomorrow you're reading in the same place we're reading at. Instead of 17 chapters ahead of us and going, I don't remember that. Well, you're way out ahead. And it's the tortoise that's going to win the race because he has endurance. And he just keeps steadily plucking along and running with endurance. Running. It's a long race. And you don't just start at the starting line and go, man, I'm wore out. No, you want to learn endurance. And God puts us through trials. He puts us through things that are hard to make us trust him and have faith and learn to be constant in it and to keep running and keep following and keep believing in and keep repenting and keep growing and keep going. Because in due season, that, that, listen, that due season, that's a personal. Due season is personal. It's private and it's pertaining to self. In your season, right? Oaks of righteousness, Psalms 1, planted by the rivers of water. In due season, they bear fruit. But be planted by the water. Be planted next to the Spirit. Be waiting on God to prepare you for the work. I got a million more things going on here, guys, and we're way out of time. You shall reap, Therazzo, Therazzo, uh, if you faint not. I know the New King James says lose heart, but it's faint not. If you start living in the flesh, you're going to grieve the spirit. The spirit's not going to be there, and you're going to start walking and thinking, I can just fake this till God comes. I can just keep doing this. No, it's a daily walk. It's daily bread. It's a living love relationship. You do not want to think it's okay now. You haven't crossed the finish line. Quickly. Verse 10 and we'll close. Therefore, what's it there for? Everything else he just said. As we have opportunity, as we have an occasion, in the set and proper time, uh, uh, let us do well. Let us do good. Let us obey God as we treat others, especially to those who are the household of faith. Household of faith? What's that mean? By the way, this is the first usage of household. 
It's our family that we're brought back into. Well, how are we brought back into it? By faith. It's a household that is pistising, following constantly our, our God and Savior. It's a constancy. It, it's an endurance thing. It's a race that we're staying running. It's not that we came into the household of faith and I'm good, I can do anything I want. It, we've been set free to stand in that liberty and to follow Christ, not set free to follow the flesh again, which is what happened to the Galatians. And he said to them, who has seduced you? Who has bewitched you? You started well, you ran well, but now you've gone astray. That is first usage for that. I wish I could give you more because there's two or three other first usages. But what I do want to close with <clears throat> is our next week's memory verse, Proverbs 24.10. And it was actually in the text. I was going to use it in the text, but I'm just going to give it to you as a memory verse. Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, we want to know right now. There's a small adversity going on. Not the big one, but there's some small stuff going on. And I fainted. I grew weary. I don't even want to run anymore. I'm just done, Lord. Really? Then you know now your strength is small. Where does your strength come from? It comes from the Lord. So start praying. That's the test. When God comes and tests you, and you go, it's no use. I've been doing this three whole days reading my Bible, and I don't have any fruit. <laughs> Trust the Lord. He called us, and he will also do it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, help us not to grow weary as we see the world reaping what it's sowed delusion and confusion from the wicked one as they listen to the earthly central demonic wisdom and converge all to one place where you put a hook in their nose in their mouth and you're drawing into the valley of decision Lord we pray that we're behind you and not in front of you in that valley so give us a desire now to bear fruits worthy of repentance. Pour out your spirit upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The Lord bless you.